0: With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell.
1: Well, good evening and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. We're Cutting Edge Christian Apologetic Ministry, addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, you may or may not be aware that there is a war raging all around us. It's not a war of guns and missiles. However, in the end, it may prove to be just as deadly. It's not a war over land. It's not a war over territories. But it's a war to capture and influence the hearts and minds of our society. It's a cultural war. So tonight, we bring you part 9D in our series talking about 10 cultural and current issues that affect us as individuals, that affect our families, our churches, our communities, and our world at large. These cultural and current issues not only affect us, but can lead us in the wrong direction, away from God and our fellow man. The real issue is how do we respond to these cultural and current issues from a biblical and apologetic perspective? Well, for the answer to this and much, much more, stay tuned, for we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight?
2: Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that wonderful, challenging introduction to this program tonight, and We appreciate how God always uses you in so many ways. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. We know that you're going to be uplifted in the Lord and blessed. So we want to encourage you to get to a table with your pens and paper and especially your Bibles and take some good notes on all of this good uh, spiritual food that we'll be giving you tonight. Uh, our text has been Romans 13 and 11, and we've been talking about this series, Not Woke Up, but Awaken Up. And boy, do we need that today in this world by which we live. And, uh, you know, the wonderful thing and blessed thing about the Word of God is that it it, it gives us not only answers to the current problems that we face every day in our lives, but also uh, it teaches us how to uh, bring about biblical restraints to restrain and stop evil that is dominating and controlling our world today in every facet of life. That's a wonderful thing to know that we have an answer in the Word of God, an answer by many things that the world word of god reveals to us now i'm going to continue to talk about how should we as christians respond to biblical and political things that relates to injustice blm and lawlessness and last time i shared with you four ways on how we can deal with the evil in our world and restrain evil in our world because we do need to deal with the evil in our world because we can't just sit back and just allow it to happen, sit back and gossip about it, and get mad about it. but God has given us a lot of tools, a lot of weapons on how to restrain evil and wickedness in our world today, and we need to learn about that and take advantage of that. Now. Let me list again these four, and we want to encourage you to write down four ways on how we can deal with evil and restrain evil in our world today. Number one, we can stop evil and restrain evil in our world with our conscience, especially if our conscience is a godly conscience. You know, every man have a sense of oughtness in his conscience. He knows what he ought to do and what he ought not to do. And God has put a conscience in all of us. And when we get saved, God has put in us a godly conscience, led and convicted by the Holy Spirit. If we are led and convicted by the Holy Spirit with our conscience, we can do the impossible. We can do things that is beyond our imagination. We uh, need to use our conscience, our godly conscience, to be the salt of a decaying world and the light of a dark world. And Christ has called upon us as disciples uh, to go into all the world, Matthew 28, and change the world as disciples of Christ. He's called us to be change agents, not secret agents, not undercover agents, but to blow our cover and go forth and make a change for time and eternity. This is what we learn all about the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, it is is not about the Acts of the Apostles, but it is about the acts of the Holy Spirit working through the apostles to convict the early church in their conscience, in their godly conscience, to reach the lost world for Christ and to turn the world upside down for Christ and inside out for Christ. And they did this with a godly conscience. They did it with a pure conscience. They did it with a holy conscience. They did it with a blameless conscience. They did it with a conscience that was not involved with the three C's, compromising, confusing, and contradicting. And lastly, they helped to change the world with a bold conscience. They had a bold conscience to speak the truth in love, irregardless of what the consequences was even if it was death. That's how the early church operated. And I'm praying for us today that God will give us this type of conscience today, that when we see evil on TV, hear it on the radio, even hear it in our churches, we'll have that godly conscience to step up to the plate and knock a home run for Jesus. How about that? Now, number two, we can stop evil and restrain evil in the world through a godly family that is rooted in the godly character, rooted in godly values, rooted in godly, you know, principles. God, historically, has always worked miracles through the institution of the Christian family. And... We're not only praying for people, God's people to develop in themselves a godly conscience, but also godly families. We need the three F's, a godly family, godly faith, and godly freedom. This is what we need in our world today. And God wants to continue to stop evil and restrain evil through the planting of a godly seed in the children. To plant that godly seed to bear fruit in our future generation, to establish a godly heritage, to continue that vision and dream with a future generation of our children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren because they are becoming victims of all of this corruption today and that's why we got to put in them godly character, godly heritage, godly, you know, principles. All of those things are very important that we need to put in our children so that when they see evil coming at them, they'll have a conscience. They'll have those family values and principles and that need to be rooted in them. Because the way that you bear fruit. You got to have it in you. You got to be rooted in you. Now, number three, we can stop and restrain evil through and by the government. In Romans chapter 13, Romans 13 and verse three says, for the rulers are not a terror to good works, but to restrain. Here's your word. To restrain the evil, wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. Verse 4, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. Notice the word evil. We're talking about restraining evil. Here's another institution to restrain evil. But be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. And that's what we need today. Our government has gotten so far away from restraining evil. It's gotten too liberal. It's gotten to to the point Whereas the leadership has given in to this woke world today, and so many of our the governors and so many of the mayors in the major cities, not restraining evil, but giving in to evil, allowing criminals to go in jail and get out the following day. And they're punishing more so the victims than the criminals. That's how bad our government has gotten, and we need to pray for our government. It needs help. It needs to turn to God and the the values of God. Verse 5 in Romans 13, wherefore, you must need be subject, not only for the wrath, but also for the, now watch this, also for conscience sake. Here is the word conscience. Make note of that. In uh, Romans 13 and verse 5, conscience again mentioned. We've been talking about that. Oh, how we need a conscience in this day and age. Because a lot of people's conscience have become uh, reprobate, delusional. And you don't want to go there. We as Christians have an obligation to pray for the leaders. That's what it says in 1 Timothy 2 and 2. Paul says, Pray for those. Pray for the leaders. Now, then, fourthly, and then lastly, we can stop and restrain evil by and through the church. The church is the major and oldest institution that has had the greatest success in stopping and restraining evil in our communities and world at large. No other institution can compare and match what the church can do to restrain evil in our world. But when you have weak leaders in the church and you have leaders compromising and giving in, the church becomes weakened rather than strengthened. Question, why is the church able to do this if it's following Christ? I said, if it's following Christ. Because Jesus said and confirmed this in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. The gates of hell has been unleashed by Satan on the entire world, and especially the church. But Jesus says, and thank God for Jesus saying this, the gates of hell shall not prevail. You know, it says in Isaiah 54 and 17, no weapon shall form against us shall prosper. Amen to that. And Jesus said, whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, and whatsoever you bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. Now, Jesus has given the church power, ecstasy power, which is authority, to restrain evil. Why aren't we using that power, like the early church did, to restrain evil today? We have the authority through the ecstasia. That's one Greek word for power. And then another Greek word is dunamis, power, to help make people free from the gates of hell. Because a lot of people are in the gates of hell and they're locked up in the gates of hell. They're imprisoned and they have a death sentence upon them as slaves and prisoners within the gates of hell. And Jesus said, He's given the church power through the Holy Spirit in us and upon us for service and witness bearing so that we can open up the gates of hell through the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and make sure that people are made free, set free, made free. The early church had transforming power, reconciliating power. To make people free by confessing their sins and repenting of their sins. And I'm going to say this in closing. My friend, if this message has really touched you and spoken to you, I want you to repeat this prayer of confession and repentance. Dear Lord, I confess my sins of failing to take advantage of these four points. And Lord, I repent of my sin. Help me, Lord. Give me the three H's. Help, healing, and hope. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Brother Gary.
1: Well, it's time for us to take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open. Pick up that phone. Give us a call. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith.
0: You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the Spirit of the Bay.
1: Well, welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, teacher, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, I want to thank all of you who have been uh, longtime listeners of Contending for the Faith. And we know that those longtime listeners have been long time praying. And we so thank you for those prayers that have gone up on behalf of this ministry and they are the lifeblood of what keeps us going so we thank you tremendously thank you for your continuous and consistent prayers we also want to thank those of you who have been consistent givers uh, to this ministry this is a listener supported ministry and without that support uh, we can not do what we need to do and as we approach the brand new year coming up in january at that time, we have to make some decisions about whether or not we're going to renew our contract with the radio station. Cost us $400 a month, a week, excuse me, $400 a week to do this broadcast. And so what we would like uh, to do tonight is something a little different. We're, we're asking and we're looking for people <laughs> to commit to making a pledge to uh, support the ministry. There's several ways you can do it. We're looking for 16 people to pledge $25. That's one way. We're looking for eight people that would pledge $50. That's another way we can do it. Four people to do 100 or one person to do 400. However you think you can fit into that equation, uh, we certainly would appreciate it. We wanna make sure that we have a commitment before before the first of the year so that we can make a good decision about whether or not we want to continue this broadcast. Uh, we're not going to go into the new year and sign a new contract without uh, an assurance of folks' commitment. So it's really, really important tonight. If you have been blessed by contending for the faith, you've been a long-term, long-time term listener, uh, and if you want to see this broadcast continue to move forward in the brand new year, we need your help. We need your prayers and we need a commitment tonight. So once again, we're looking for people that would possibly commit to 16 people to commit to $25 a month or eight people to commit to $50 a month, four people to commit to a hundred a month, or one person maybe can do 400 a month or a week rather. So we we really need your help to continue to move forward in the new year. Now, if, you're interested in making this pledge, we want you to call uh, area code 415-721-1778. Again, that number for the pledge tonight, call 415-721-1778. Now, this is not a cell phone. Uh, It's a landline. So it's set up with voicemail. So you got to leave your phone number. And if you're interested in pledging, Use that phone number. Leave your name, your number, and your address. And anybody that makes a pledge tonight, uh, of any of any size, we're going to send out one of Doctor. Buckner's books. It will be either the Essentials of the Christian Faith or the Doctrines of the, the Doctrine of the Trinity book. So these are great, great resources to have in your library, and we want to offer that as a token of our appreciation for anyone that is willing to make that pledge tonight. You can also email us with your pledge at jlbcftf at comcast.net. So that's jlbcftf at comcast.net. And again, include your name, your address, uh, and so that we can send you that uh, one of those resource books. So <clears throat> we're looking for folks to step up to the plate and hit a home run for contending for the faith. Also want you to know that this Saturday and next Saturday, we're gonna be live. The final two Saturdays in the month of December, uh, we'll have uh, pre-recorded messages. So we really need you to step up, make it known that you're committed to helping us for the year and that you're willing to step out on faith and uh, make one of these pledges. All right, Dr. Buckner, do you wanna add anything to this?
2: Uh, I just uh, appreciate what you're sharing, Gary. And we know that there's a lot of people that really love contending for the faith and they have been faithful throughout the years uh, to support us. And some people have gone beyond the call of duty and we really appreciate you as well. And it lets me know that uh, they don't want this program to go off the air. And so that's why we are basically, encouraging people uh, tonight to make that commitment to call us, uh, act on it tonight, uh, throughout the week, so that we can get these commitments going. And then, that way, we got the commitments in order and committed, and we could let um, KFAX know that we will commit to a whole nother year with uh, Contending for the Faith. Uh, I was at the Ah, uh, bank today, and a gentleman. Uh, every time he sees me, he'll give me a hundred for my radio program, and he stepped up today with two hundred for a continuing with faith because he was. Uh, oh man, I don't want to see you uh, go off the air because you're too valuable and you're one of the rare apologetic ministries that are <clears throat> not only teaching the word of God but giving solid answers. So. Anyway, we trust uh, the uh, Continue for the Faith family that you will hear uh, our concerns and people will step up to the plate, uh, as Brother Gary has said, with 16 people uh, giving 25 per week, that averages out to 400. If eight people give 50 per week, we'll have the 400. Uh, if four people give 100 per week, uh, we'll have the 400. And one person may say, you know what? I just want to be a blessing throughout the whole year and just give 400 per, per week. And uh, that's possible because God has blessed some people financially to be able to have the capability of doing this. We spend so much money on so many other things. And if really you think about it, how much money we spend on so many other things that we were to, discipline ourselves and balance out we could do this with no problem whatsoever and jesus said lay up not for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust and thieves break in but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where none of these things you're investing for time and eternity when you uh give to the ministries of continuing faith and others so god is smiling upon you and we have one lady that was so faithful Many years ago, and she went on to be with the Lord. We were shocked when we heard about it, but uh, God is smiling on her because of her faithfulness. You know, the thing that's the blessing out of all of this is that it's going to bring people to the place of being consistent because we can't have it where people are in and out like in and out burgers and with the ministry, you got to be consistent with it in order for us to continue to do what we're doing. And this is what this is going to bring us to, that place where we got consistency and commitment and dedication. And so that's what I want to add to what you said, Brother Gary.
1: And also, in in terms of our normal givers, we don't want to forget to mention that uh, you can uh, address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, PO Box 553. Tiburon, California, T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. And also you can go on to our website at contendingfaith.org, click on the donate button, and also donate that way. So there's several options here. Uh, And maybe tonight you just want to call up and make a pledge. There's that too. So we would definitely love for you to come on the air and say, hey, you know what, I'm convicted Holy Spirit moved on my heart tonight, and I'm going to pledge uh, this level, whatever God puts on your heart, whether it's uh, 25 a week, uh, 16 people at 25, or 8 people at 50, whatever God has moved on your heart, you can make that call tonight, and we'll get you on the air, and it'll be a blessing for people and an encouragement to hear that. All right, we've talked a lot about money. Let's talk a lot about Jesus we ready for the calls, Dr. Buckner? Yeah, I'm ready, Brother Garrett. All right, let's go to Brother Rick on line
2: one. Brother Rick, how are you how doing? How you guys? How are you? I am blessed. All righty. Praise the Lord. And what's what's on your heart? What's, what's your question tonight? Okay. We know that King David and Bathsheba sinned, and they had a child. The child died after seven days. And many people react by saying that, uh, you know, God punished the child, but did not punish David and Bathsheba. How do we respond to this? Well, that's a very good question. And uh, it's a really a serious uh, question that needs to be answered apologetically. Uh, but when people sin, nobody gets off the hook. Whoever says, you know, David and Bathsheba got off the hook. That's not true because, uh, you know, God told them, uh, David, as the leader, and he ended up getting married to her, that the sword shall not leave from your place. And God judged David, pretty much judged David throughout his life and especially through his children. I mean, even his own son uh, went after him. David was was living a, constantly running a marathon. He was constantly on the go. That's what the book of Psalms is about. He's crying out against his enemies, chasing him and then his own family. So this is, a lot of this was the result of, you know, uh, his sins and, uh, you know, does God forgive sin? Yes. But what we set in motion, uh, Walter Martin once said this, my mentor, can hunt us the rest of our life. It's not a matter of does God forgive. It's a matter of what you set in motion can hunt you the rest of your life uh, because there's consequences to sin. Now, when it comes to the child, uh, the child uh, did not get punished. God didn't punish the child. Uh, God punished David and Bathsheba, but the child was taken. I think we have to make a distinction between the word uh, punishment and taken, you know, and God decided to take uh, the little one home. And then David ended up saying, you know, where you're at, I'm going to be there one day to see you. So, uh, which means that the little one went into the presence of God. uh, But, the little one, the child, was taken. And, some, and you know, when you fit this together with Romans 8 and 28, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. But a lot of people say, you know, how could God, you know, go into all of these pagan nations and just slaughter them and the children? Well, sometimes what God will do is take the children out and so that they won't have to... Risk coming up. Now, notice how I use the word risk. Risk coming up and rebelling under their wicked parents because that's the only thing that they have learned is wickedness, and they have not learned anything uh, from the heart of God, and they have not reached the age of accountability. So sometimes God is God is so merciful, and you know Paul talks about the the God of the uh, the God will. He's a judge that will do righteously he will do what is right so sometimes God just takes children and even it means today he'll he'll take children uh, in many different ways because he he's looking at the bigger picture that we can't see. We're looking at things temporarily but God is looking at the bigger picture so we replace the word punishment with taken into his presence. Because uh, God is thinking that, and he knows that here is a risk that these children could come up and be lost for all eternity. So he just simply takes them to be with Him, And then when he takes them, it's a real wake-up call for the the parents, and especially David, because David really loved that that son. And yet it was more of a punishment to David in God taking him than the child itself. So hopefully that, that helps and gives some insight to your question. You
3: see, that God is a very merciful God.
2: That's right. Very merciful. and God, merciful? He, takes, he takes children uh, because through his sovereign plan, he's looking at the bigger picture down the road. And I think we have to always put that into play when we see... The Canaanites being slaughtered and the Perissites, the Jebusites, and all those who had no lights. God is looking at the bigger picture. Amen, brother. So um you have any prayer requests before we go to where we're getting close to a commercial. Mm -hmm. You have any prayer requests? Keep me in prayer. Keep me in prayer around my health.
1: All right. So Lord, we just thank you for Brother Rick and his question tonight and his faithfulness, Lord God. We pray that you would uh, just strengthen his body, Lord God. We pray for a miracle, Lord God, because you're a miracle-working God. We pray because you're the great physician. You've never lost a case. We pray, Lord God, that you touch his body from, from stem to stern and, and bring healing, life, and restoration. We pray, Lord God, that you would also encourage Brother Rick, keep him going, keep his mind strong, keep him excited about life, given purpose and meaning and victory in every step of the way, Lord God. And we'll just be careful to thank you, praise you, and give you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's time for us to take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you tonight. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith.
0: You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the Spirit of the Bay.
1: Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecturer, Counselor, and Expert on the Cults, Dr. Gary L. Buckner. Well, Dr. Buckner, we have a lot of stuff and a lot of folks lined up, so why don't we jump right back to the callers and I'll make our other announcements later on.
2: Sounds like a good plan, Brother Gary.
1: All right. So we had Alfred who wants to take this answer off the air. His question is if believers are saved once, are they always saved?
2: That is a very good uh, question, Alfred, and we appreciate your question on that because this is something that's uh, been very controversial because some people believe that uh, you can get saved and and you can lose your salvation. And then some people believe that you need to get saved over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, so, this is what some people believe. Now, uh, let me just say this, that when a person is born again, as Jesus said, they're not unborn. You know, once you get born again, you're born. Just like when you're born in the world, you don't end up crawling back into your mother's womb and saying, you know what, I wasn't born. When you're born again, you're born again. And how do I know this? Because you know, uh Jesus talked about only one type of life, and never forget this. He talked about eternal life. So you want to really emphasize the word eternal life when you talk about one saved, always saved, because what does the word eternal means? The word eternal means forever. So when it says in John you know, 3 and 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Notice he says, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, once you have everlasting life, you can't lose it. It's eternal. Now, you know, that's that's something very important. And you may want to also look at uh John 6 and... uh Verse 37, because it's very, very important for us to have scriptures with what we're talking about. In verse John 6 and 37, Jesus said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He'll not cast you out once you come to him. And then when you link that together with John 10 and 29 and, uh, 28 and 29, well, he talks about, let so me verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. There's the word again, eternal life. And they shall never perish. Notice that. Neither shall they, may any man, plunk them out of my hand. So the the Father, is Jesus is teaching that the Father, once we come to the Father, he will in no wise, Uh, plunk, allow anybody to plunk you out of his hands, you know. Now, there's only one exception to this, and it has nothing to do with one losing their salvation. It has to do with if a person was genuinely saved, because a genuinely saved person, as, as John talks about, he that is born of God in his epistles will not practice sin habitually, you know, It mentions the word in the old King James, the uh, Texas Receptus. That was what the King James was based upon. It's called also the Received Text or the Texas Receptus. And it's not the best translation. It's a great translation, but not the best. But it says, whoever is born of God, don't don't sin. No, we do sin. That's why we need an an advocate. But um, it says in the Greek, He that is born of God does not practice sin habitually. So the only thing I would add to that is that if you are born again, you're going to have a conscience to repent of that sin and turn away from it. If you continue to practice it and you don't repent and you don't uh, get away from it and stop it, it it may be questionable if you really genuinely was saved in the first place. So that's my only thing that I want to add to that. Okay, I hope right. that helps out, uh, Brother Alfred. And uh, who do we have next, Brother Gary? All right, we have Sophia. Sophia, how you doing?
3: Well, I'm very. Oh, oh, I'm losing my place. I'm, I'm very well. Thank you so much. And I, I'm giving a lot of thought. I like that. The, I like your little concept. I'll just say it quickly. But I want to ask a question. Let's say somebody decides. Now, I happen to be a Czech writer, but mm-hmm. let's say someone besides whatever level 25 50 you don't have to do it every week you can do it at the first of the month right of course
2: oh yes of course oh okay
3: so that's i like that all you give a lot of options so but you know so if someone just wants to write a check they can do it instead of every week they just do the first of the month and take care of that month
2: yeah that would be their commitment that would be their commitment absolutely
3: Okay, good. I want to just clear that up because there are a lot of options. But, you know, for me personally, I'm a check writer. Now, the reason I'm calling, and it's good that you have, you know, when you have a commitment in life about anything, it, it's better. You know what I mean? It kind of it becomes a way of life. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it gives us predictability. So that oh, we absolutely.
3: Of course. You <laughs> have to know. You know, I mean, if you, if you, if someone takes a tenant, and they have to know they're going to be getting the rent every month, right? Correct. So,
1: sure.
3: um, okay, so here is what I want to say, because, you know, I get a lot of flack at work, as you can imagine, being a Christian, and so they're always on me. So they said, you know, a girl actually said to me, you know, you Christians are disgusting, but I just stood there. I don't get angry. I said, oh, really? Why? And she says, well, because you don't care about the immigrants. You know, I said, well, of course we care about the immigrants. We're all immigrants. I'm an immigrant. What are you talking about? But you know the line, the open borders. So I found a thing. They said, well, she said, well, you know, if Jesus were alive, he would want open borders. I bet you it's not in the Bible. So let me read two things quickly, and you tell me if it's correct, because I, I have to answer her. So I'm looking up, I'm reading Psalms 147, and it specifically says, For he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. He makes peace in your borders, which, of course, we don't have, and fills you with the finest wheat. Now, the one that I really like is that Proverbs, um, I believe it's Proverbs 5, where he specifically says, he talks about, lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. Drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. And, of course, I add oil wells, too, to that. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets? No. Let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. So it makes it, it seems to me, that... The Bible's very clear. There's nothing wrong with walls. There are walls coming out of the kazoo. Jericho had walls, of course, they came down. Jeremiah goes. He was anointed to go build up the wall around Jerusalem. There are a lot of walls. So this idea that somehow the Bible wouldn't want walls or borders, I think I gave two. Maybe they weren't good examples. But we're, well, of course we're supposed to protect our own and our own families and our own communities. Am I wrong or not?
2: Well, you're absolutely right. Um, see, the way God always operated, uh, and people don't understand this, but they need to, is that Israel was a religious nation, you know, and a political nation and a religious nation. And God had built walls and borders to keep uh, the enemies out and to keep uh, people out that would come in. And disrupt their nation and their uh, political, religious uh, endeavors. So the way that you came into uh, the, was accepted within the walls uh, or the cities is that you had to become a proselyte. You had to, you know, humble yourself and say that you would become a proselyte, which means. You'd be a Gentile, become, accept the Jewish faith. So God had it even back then where you didn't just come in and just say, I'm here. Uh, and it, it was a law that God had. America has had laws where they opened the, the doors for people to come in from other countries. But there is a, a, a legal procedure, a law, that God has established that they got to abide by. And that's what God has established in the Old Testament, New Testament. And he's doing that today. And anybody that would just bring over people over here, like the current uh, government is doing is reaping havoc, not only uh, religiously, politically, but criminally. And people are coming over here, uh, gang bangers uh, with drugs all sorts of things, and raping people, all sorts of things. There is a political, there is a legal way way of doing things. And if we don't do it that way, we're going to create death and chaos and destruction. And that's what uh, is happening today with the fentanyl coming over here and all the other stuff. But hopefully that helps. What we're going to try to do is get our last caller in uh, before the time is out uh so we appreciate your your question uh hopefully i've said some things to add some more meat to what you're you're thinking about
3: no absolutely god bless you unless you get to the next caller
2: okay thank you so much Sophia. god bless you goodbye all right let's quickly go to lee are you there
3: hi thanks for taking my call i'll make it quick i had a conversation today with someone that i knew to be hindu And he said that it's sad that America is destroying ourselves from within, and he believes that it started when they took prayer out of schools. And I Mm -hmm. said, yes, God is powerful to be able to change it and put us back in the right direction. And he said, oh, I believe in Jesus. But then he added, you know I'm Hindu, but I believe in Jesus. (laughs) So how do you approach somebody when I see him again for a follow-up conversation about what sets Jesus apart from
2: you know, his being Hindu? Yeah, that's a very good question. Well, let me just kind of give you a Reader's Digest condensation of this in uh, the limited time I have, and we can discuss this more next time. Uh, You you have to remember that uh, Hindu is in opposition to uh, Christianity in many different ways. It is a false religion, and, uh, you know, I think the greatest thing that you can offer is that, you know, Jesus— came and he fulfilled everything that he promised. And you don't see that in Hinduism. And the greatest thing he did, he came back from the dead and that he came to forgive us of our sins. And he died on the cross and came back alive. And there's evidence of this, not only historically from believing sources, but unbelieving sources. And yet uh, the Hindus emphasize karma. So, you know, and reincarnation uh karma and reincarnation is in opposition to resurrection. We believe in resurrection, not reincarnation, we come back in different forms and shapes and and then you want to offer the greatest witness is uh Jesus offers forgiveness. Forgiveness is a, a need for this is an opposition to uh Hindu because they teach karma where you have to go through different stages uh, to reach karma and, de- and to be accepted. No, you don't have to go through all of those stages with Christianity. You go through one stage, is accept Christ, you're forgiven, he did it at the cross, and you don't have to go through all of these uh, different stages of uh, transitions to get to, uh, you know, perfection. No, in Christ, he's the perfect one and we are forgiven in him, and that's the bottom line to it all. But the last thing is this, Hinduism don't believe that the world is um, physical. They believe in, there was early Gnosticism, but before Gnosticism was Maya, and that was that everything in the world is an illusion, it's not reality physical. and yet Jesus came in physical form, and John was writing against the Gnostics because they were denying that he, Jesus came in physical form. So they believe all physical matter is evil, and we have to let them know that no, um, physical matter is not evil, and yet they say everything is an illusion. But you always ought to let them know if it's an illusion, go stand out on the freeway and stand in front of the diesel and say, you're just an illusion. You'll be disillusioned. So, anyway, that's a nutshell. Uh, we are almost out of time. You can call back and uh, next uh, Saturday, and we can and, and let me know what you think about what I share with you. All right.
1: Well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast. We just want to reiterate that we need your help. We need some commitments. Uh, we need folks to pledge so that we can walk into the next new year confidently knowing that the cost of this radio 10 seconds so we need uh, folks to step up call us during the week area code 415-721-1778 or contact dr buckner by email jlb cftf at comcast.net and make that pledge all right well please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time, when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions and make comments and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you.